Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out of pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort so you sleep better together. JD Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For JD Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com/awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hello, my friends, and welcome to yet another episode of Retro Ups and Downs with me, Simon Miller. And for the frequent viewers, you're like, Simon, why the hell are you sat down? Well, it's quite hard to stand at the moment because I had to have a little bit of surgery this week. So don't worry about it. Don't worry about me. Don't cry for me, Argentina. And instead, let's go into the past and talk about old wrestling. Because we were on the highway to hell in the summer of 1998, where at SummerSlam, The Undertaker was going to take on Stone Cold Steve Austin for the WWF title. And just to let you know where I was at this juncture, I was a terrified child, because I didn't really know what wrestling was at this particular time. And I was such a big Rattlesnake fan, I was like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, he's going to lose. To the point when he did stun The Undertaker and he won, I jumped off my seat and celebrated which was not the best idea in the world because I told my mother I was sick that day in order to get the day off school so I could watch SummerSlam 98. I'm a fool. This also meant I was a tried and tested World Wrestling Federation fan. And even though every now and then I would flick over to WCW to see what the hell they were doing and feel guilty that I did do it. Thank goodness I didn't watch whole episodes as you are about to find out today. That's why it will blow your mind that the August 31st, 2008 episode of Nitro was the highest rated Nitro ever with a rating of 6.01, which meant at the time in the United States of America, it was the most watched wrestling show on cable ever. And there are some caveats when it comes to that statistic as well, but the fact it's even in the conversation is mad. And a huge reason for this was that on this night, WWF Raw didn't air. But my gosh, you think somebody at World Championship Wrestling would have gone, well, we got to make this a good show, but they did not. So please do brace yourself as we take the finger of power and give the good bits up and the bad bits are down for the highest rated Nitro show ever. But if you're expecting a lot of this, I would change your opinion right now. Right, why the hell did Nitro ever go to three hours? I mean, obviously money, that's always the answer. But good grief, they had no plans because all they did was eke things out. Like, to start off this episode of Nitro, out comes Hulk Hogan, out comes Eric Bischoff as we hear the NWO theme for what was going to be around about 7,000 times throughout the whole thing. And they just talk, and they just talk, and they just talk, although they don't actually say anything. And I swear they just stood on the rampway for about three minutes as Hulk Hogan flexed each muscle at least 42 times. 
And then when they did get to the squared circle, Eric Bischoff is like, man, I have a weapon in my pocket, but it's the pen, because of course he was the booker of WCW. And then Hulk Hogan, words may come out of his mouth. I was scribbling all down going, none of this makes any sense. He's talking about the upcoming War Games match and that he's not scared about the Ultimate Warrior, or sorry, Warrior, we can't call him the Ultimate One. And the only reason this segment gets away with any of it is because the crowd is so lively, the crowd is so raucous, the crowd has so much energy that you do start to buy in, <laughs> but then you'll swiftly take it out of it again. I'm not sure what anybody was smoking back in 1998, but what is the deal behind this warrior character? It was like whenever anybody would say his name, smoke would just fill up in the ring and he would appear for about four seconds and then he'd just vanish again. And that's exactly what happened here. The rest of the NWO black and white rushed the ring to try and stop him, but they can't do anything. So if you were a fan back at the time, why would you stay invested in this? You actually would have been better off just peeling a potato. That would have been more interesting and a more worthy use of your existence. So it has to get it down. If you've never seen WCW before and this was the first thing you ever did witness, you would probably be baffled about how the hell we ever had a Monday Night War. From there, we finally get into a wrestling match and it's Roth versus Jim Powers. Now, of course, Roth used to be the former Adam Bomb, so he's getting a little bit of a push here before Mr. Powers. I don't think he gives two ships down. Powers' plan here as well seems to be the fact that he's obsessed with hitting the 10 punches in the corner, because honestly, he goes for it once, it fails. He goes for it twice, it fails. He goes for it a third time, and Wrath then gets pissed off, hits that power slam maneuver thing, and he just wins. So this doesn't go longer than three minutes, and don't forget the opening segment went about 20, <laughs> and all of this is about to get so much worse. Because the Nitro Girls are out to dance for a while, and if you know, you know, and if you don't know, don't worry about it, before we get to match two that is Norman Smiley versus Scott Norton. Now, both of these guys do have huge chunks of their careers where they absolutely smashed it. Like, Norton was a massive success in Japan, and Norman Smiley, to this day, is an incredibly respected professional wrestler. I mean, he's been training down in NXT for ages, and everybody goes, oh my gosh, he's the best, I love him. So what was WCW's big plan here? Well, they said, let them wrestle for 120 seconds and then draw a line under it down. Scott just murders poor Norman as well and has him beat him on a couple of occasions once even after a shoulder breaker but of course he picks him off the mat all like ha 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 I don't want to win the match now even though seconds later he hits the power bomb and then decides oh wait now I do want to win the match. I was like Scott Norton you have serious decision making problems you need to pick a path and you need to stick to it. And I wouldn't even say this was bad but it's just there and as soon as we are done all of a sudden the lights start flickering and there's the smoke and the warrior is just hanging out in the rafters thinking he's Sting. And I bet the WCW production crew were devastated when the warrior did join because they were like, yeah, throughout the night, you just got to push buttons. Like any time the NWA black and white come to the ring, the warrior's got to be there. So please just switch the lights on and off. We then go full on sports entertainment as we are reminded that Saturn is now Lodi's slave. And these are not my words, these are the words WCW used. So they're in the back and Saturn's all like, oh, I lost a match and I promised to live up to this stipulation, so I would. And at this juncture, I realized I couldn't care less. You then get the NWO Wolfpack coming out. I'm not gonna get into that split because that's gonna have to be a separate video for a separate day. And we get Kevin Nash and we get Conan. <laughs> we get Lex Luger. Now Lex Luger is an interesting cat to begin with, but here in the late 90s, someone has told him, hey Lex, you should try and be really cool out there. And some of the verbiage that comes out of his mouth. I think I actually wanted to die. 
Much like Roddy Piper and Steve Austin just did. I mean, he just comes across like such a dork here. However, he does confirm that the main event of the evening is going to be Hulk Hogan and Bret the Hitman Hart taking on himself and Sting, which is quite exciting. And then Kevin Nash on the microphone is like, oh man, I'm so cool right now. And here's who I'm going to team up with for war games. Then he talks about the Ultimate Warrior for about an hour and just runs him down. Again, this just went so damn long and I wanted it to end down. This is especially true because you go from one talking segment to a next talking segment as I just wanted some wrestling. And this time it's JJ Dillon saying, oh my gosh, I want Arn Anderson to come to the ring, which was ridiculous because Arn Anderson had been written off television two weeks later, but then WCW management got bored and said, ah, let's just bring it back. You do get some cool footage of Arn Anderson cutting a promo from when he started in his career, and I quite like that because it's like, oh my gosh, nostalgia. And the whole point is JJ Dillon wants Arn Anderson to reform the Four Horsemen alongside Ric Flair, Steve Mongo McMichael and Chris Benoit, with the latter two coming to the ring and being all like, yeah, Arn, we should do this. And Arn turns and just goes, nope. And look, down the line, this was going to end with a really cool segment. But once again, this just goes on forever. I think this was the first hour of Nitro and nothing had happened. And I was like, man, one day I'm going to be dead. One day I'm going to be on my deathbed. And I'm never going to be able to get that time back. Oh, it made my want to brain melt. That was even worse. Look what it's doing to my grammar. It made my brain want to melt. Let's get it down. Eddie Guerrero, thankfully, is then on Nitro. Sadly, he has to fight Brian Adams. And this was the time when he was embroiled with all this Eric Bischoff stuff. So I'm just going to give it to you straight. This ain't very good either. Because Adams is in the black and white NWO 2, all of a sudden the lights are going off and on again. So Steve in production is probably like, man, I'm so bored of doing this. I don't want to do it anymore. And the first thing Eddie Guerrero does is just lie down on the mat. Because he doesn't want to work for Eric Bischoff anymore. And therefore, he's not going to work any proper wrestling matches. For some reason, Brian Adams doesn't just want to pin him, which anybody in their right of mind would have done. So he throws him around for a little bit, but then gets bored and goes, oh, I'm going to pin you anyway. And afterwards, Eddie Guerrero goes, see, I did what you wanted me to, Mr. Bischoff. So now you can't sue me, which I think was a Ric Flair reference. But I'll be honest with you, it was really hard to care. It's also just so obtuse and kind of walks that fine line of all oh, wrestling's real and wrestling is not real. And also, this is Eddie Guerrero, one of the best wrestlers of all time. Here he is in my hand. And this is all you could come up to do with him. Just makes you want to do that over and over, which you shouldn't do because it will hurt your face. Let's get it down. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Life is full of what-ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome. Like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard Fixed Indemnity Insurance Plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. 
Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ernest are down for Ernest Miller versus Scotty Riggs. How did WCW win for so long? Once again, we're done in about two minutes. Don't get me wrong, I like Ernest the Cat Miller. He was quite entertaining, but he just kicks Scotty Riggs, who wasn't even allowed an entrance song because he was part of Raven's flock, and he beats it. Then he cuts a promo saying, oh my gosh, I'm so beautiful. And there is nothing here. There's nothing here. I have more hair on my head in terms of substance to whatever the hell this was. I then freaked out because it was Marty Jannetty versus Conan. I was like, how in 1998 did we have a match on worldwide television that was Marty Jannetty versus Conan? Somehow these two were able to wrangle 10 minutes out of WCW executives as well. And while on paper it may sound all right, this is not the Marty Jannetty you remember. This is the Marty Jannetty that clearly was struggling to find his place in the world, especially when it came to stepping foot in a wrestling ring. So it makes you feel a little bit sad in your tum-tum, although fair play to Conan. He is over like Rover here, because of course he is in the NWO Wolfpack. But he just beats Marty Jannetty up. Then he hits the Conan Factor, which was just the X Factor. Then he locks in the Tequila Sunrise. Marty Jannetty taps out. And I kind of thought to myself, well, that was fine. I don't mind that it did exist, but what did I get out of it? And once again, the answer is nine. So I tried to like this. I really tried. I sat there and I went, but it didn't work because you just can't which is why it has to get it down. More nonsense with Saturn and Lodi next, as it turns out Saturn now has to carry signs. And because of course Lodi was in Raven's flock, Raven is there just pushing everyone's buttons. But before Saturn rips his head off, Lodi goes, no, don't do it. I don't know, friend of mine, he wasn't his friend, employee, I suppose. And that was that. It also leads into a tag match where the big question is, how are these two going to coexist? And I just looked in the corner like I'm doing now and I said, Please, somebody give me strength, because I still have 90 minutes to go. High Voltage were the opponents, and you already know the story here. Anytime Saturn was up on the whole thing, Lodi would demand a tag, and Saturn would give it to him. And I was like, why would you do this? I understand that you're his slave, but wouldn't you at least try and stand on your own two feet when you're in the wrestling ring? The answer was no. The crowd is just dead here too, because who could actually give a flub about this? And then Saturn hits the DVD, Lodi tags himself in, he gets the pin, and I honestly don't care how this story ends, even though I already knew, because I watched it back in the day, down. Next out is Diamond Dallas Page, and thank Flubblesticks for that, because this guy was just a rocking ball of energy, and he even got me popped up like 20 odd years later, so he's getting up. He's just so excited talking to Tony Schiavone about that he is gonna be representing Team WCW at War Games, when all of a sudden, he is interrupted by Roddy Piper. I mean, not that version, but you take my point. Now, Piper was the WCW GM in 1998, because in the late 90s, you just had to have one of those. And do you know what he spent the majority of his time doing? Talking about Bret Hart while DDP just existed in the corner. I mean, he may as well have been a ghost. I think the Giant felt the same way about this too, because he went out to attack both guys. But because of that, he gets arrested by the police. And nobody else that does any jumping gets arrested by the police. But for some reason, when it comes to Paul White, the cops went, nah, you ain't allowed to do it. So no, this is not good either, but I'm standing by that up simply because Diamond Dallas Page brought so much energy to proceedings. And it's a good thing to take away if you are an upcoming wrestler. Sometimes you can just be super positive and it works. What is the deal with this show though? Because we finally enter the last hour of the thing 
and it's straight to another talking segment. It's like, can you at least put a tiny match in between them? Why does it have to go talking segment, talking segment, talking segment match, talking segment, talking segment, talking segment match? Down. It's also centered around the fact that Scott Steiner was pretending to have an injury, so he got a bunch of faux doctors to diagnose him. And I'm sorry, to be completely frank with you, this is offensive. I mean, the first one is Dr. Cecil V. Schwartz. And I was like, oh man, I'm never going to be able to get through this. Which was especially true when we get to Dr. Number 2, which is Dr. Juju Ubangi. Although it's not Dr. Juju Ubangi. I hate even saying this, so screw you, WCW. But it's Buff Bagwell dressed up. And like I say, it is insulting. And I get it, yes, it's a different time, fine, but that doesn't stop it from being very wrong, especially when he uses his magic voodoo powers in order to fix Scott Steiner. This is what I did. What you're seeing right now is what I did when watching this segment. I just held my face and I shook my head because one, it's not even entertaining, and two, it should never made it out of the rise room. Then I thought about decapitating myself at this stage because it was so bad, especially when Buff Bagger went, see, Buff's got the stuff. And of course, this was all leading into a Scott Steiner versus Rick Steiner program. So Rick Steiner comes out, he tries to beat them up, he isn't able to, so he cuts a promo, and I was like, I wonder at this stage if Rick knew he was going to give birth to a boy named Brom Baker? And I imagine the answer was no. But yes, this is shit. More warrior stuff as once again we just go nuts with switches. And he must have thought he was Batman at this stage, because we even get the warrior logo in the sky. And then thankfully we got to the cruiserweight division. If you know anything about WCW, when you get to the cruiserweights, they'd always deliver. It was also champion Human 2 Guerrero taking on Evan Courageous. And as Evan has come up again here on Retro Ups and Downs, when he made his debut, I called him Evan Caragas or something. It was a joke. Like I did watch WCW back in the day. Also, he has Courageous written on his ass. But some people like Simon, you don't even know his name. So no more jokes. You don't get any more jokes. And it was a stupid pun to begin with. However, this was quite good. Up. Now, it is a shame that the crowd doesn't care about this at all. Although, after I did some digging and after I did some reading, this is because there were some women in the audience who, during this, decided that they would try and show their breasts. So every other single person just looked away to hopefully see some flesh. WCW in 1998 is just a very, very strange beast. But with the brain, Heenan also has no idea what to make of Evan Courageous, because at one point he's saying, oh man, that guy's going to be a super duper star, because he's ripped. But then later on, he's just getting on his case for never making a pin. And somewhere, I bet William Regal was like, he's right. Vera also hurts his knee at one point, and while Courageous kind of works it over, he also kind of doesn't. So why we inserted that into the mix, I don't know. And eventually, Guerrero hits the Hoovy driver. He gets the one, two, three. And like I say, all of this was fine. It was just a very well-worked match and almost like WCW should have done more than this. I think at this stage, WCW then realized, oh no, we haven't booked any wrestling matches because we go straight into Chris Jericho, who was the television champion, taking on Disco Inferno. Now, while 50% of what I just said means you're going to have a good match, the other 50% means he's getting it down. Because yes, we all know that Chris Jericho is great. He's proven that time and time again, even into his 50s. But Disco Inferno was a really strange cat. Like one, he had decided to be successful in wrestling. I should pretend I'm a dancer from the 70s. But also two, well, just go listen to him on any podcast that he does now. He is a very, very strange chap, and he was a very, very strange wrestler. His finish was also called the Chart Buster, which I had forgotten, so that was the end for me. I was laughing my ass off because it was so ridiculous. And after he hits this, 
it must take around about 54 years to make the pin. So Chris Jericho kicks out. He gets him in the lion tamer. Disco Inferno taps out. This is nothing down. And remember what I just said about the matches? WCW then does it again because they go, oh my gosh, Goldberg is a WCW champion. Maybe he should have a match too. Although again, with no competition from Monday Night Raw, they put him against Al Green. I don't mean the singer, but still somewhat surprisingly up. Kevin Nash also returns here to be on commentary because, of course, soon he was going to beat Goldberg, and we'll talk about that at some point. But here is the thing with Bill in the late 90s. You knew what to expect. He was going to get in there. He was going to blow smoke out of his nose, and he was just going to run through falls. And even here in 2021... It is just so damn entertaining. And I mean, this isn't even one of the best of them, but when he does hit the spear and finishes him off with a jackhammer, the crowd are absolutely losing their minds, and I was too. And I understand I'm biased because I'm Goldberg's son, but you could kind of suspend your disbelief here. Mostly because half the time, Bill Goldberg was just hitting people. It's fun though, and really it's the best booking that any wrestler could ask for. Oh, by the well, Bill, you're just going to beat everyone? which is absolutely beggar's belief why WWE didn't do this in 2003. That was 18 years ago. I ain't going to worry about it now. i got real problems like life. Which brings us to the main event of our evening, which announcer Michael Buffer calls a dream match of professional wrestling. And I sat there and I thought about this for ages. I'm like, is Sting and Lex Luger versus Hulk Hogan and Bret Hart a dream match? And I'm sorry, but it's really not. It also just comes at a time where all of these guys seem to be out of it. Like Hulk Hogan was in Hulk Hogan mode where he never really cared. Bret Hart definitely did not care. Lex Luger was Lex Luger. was always kind of half in and half out. Whereas Sting, I think, realized he had a very glass ceiling that he was never going to smash. He was just going to do whatever he could. The Hitman is as awesome as ever, because as soon as Lex Luger tags in Sting, he does the whole, oh my gosh, I'm really scared of the Stinger. And while this does lead to a brief standoff between Hulk Hogan and Sting, that just gave me flashbacks to 1997. I never want to have flashbacks to 1997. Bret is also wonderful as a heel too, as he just ignores the ref going, I can't hear you, as he does the count to five after choking Luger. And this is just yet another example that Bret the Hitman Hart is probably actually the best wrestler ever. Because his stuff doesn't age. You can pick any match from whenever the hell he debuted in the late 80s to all the way up to, what, 2001 or whatever it was, and you will get some good out of it. Everything is just so sweet and everything is just so damn believable. I'm very interested in the tag clacks and ha sounds and everybody gets in the ring and there's this really strange bit with the disciple where i think he's meant to pull hulk hogan out the way of this thing a splash he forgets so they just run the spot again hogan then starts whipping sting with his belt before bret hart takes it off him and says no no we said we weren't going to do it like that but because they both leave the ring and get into an argument in the r way they seemingly forget that they're in a match and they both get counted out so that's how this dream match ended, much to the chagrin of a Stone Cold Steve Austin. This is mostly done to trigger a big schmoz so the ultimate warrior could turn back up with all the smoke. But all he does is go, Hulk Hogan, we could all smell your fear. And then he vanishes again. And I wanted to take my fist and just go, ah, because nothing progresses here. We don't move forward at all. We just go around, 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 around. You do get to see him beat his chest as Nitro goes off air. But this is a terrible show. This is a terrible show. And I never want to watch it again. And I hate the fact I had to watch it the first time. And not only the main event get it down, but overall, you know what? The show's going to get a brown down. Put it on the damn worst show ever board, or whatever we called it, too. Don't watch this. Don't think, oh, well, Simon found it funny. It's not funny. It's awful. It's like going to a funeral. Do you find any humor from seeing dead people? No, you don't. 
is crap. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.